as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with both Big Shiny Robot and now with geeksout.org um, Yay! New outlet. Yay! Um, and so you can find my musings there and randomness and all that kind of fun stuff. And I am Andy Wilson, still only a big shiny robot and this podcast. And I am Brooke Hine. I suppose I could say that I have the upcoming Not Entirely Perfect podcast, which we will be recording after this. So I look forward to that first episode. <laughs> so, yeah. Yay. Feel free to check them out when that goes live. I'm sure it will be amazing. I'm excited to listen to it. Um, but yeah, this week we, we've got two movies. Uh, one good, one bad. Well, we'll let you jump to the conclusion of which is which uh, before we go into them. But we've got the Kevin Costner uh, action drama uh, criminal, and then also the Jungle Book by John Favreau. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into criminal really fast just because, uh, well, it sucked. So <laughs> I think you'll have a lot more fun hearing these two talk about Jungle Book than uh, criminal, which is essentially the story of... Um, Kevin Costner plays Jericho Stewart. He uh, is a man who's been a lifelong criminal and a 100% legitimate psychopath slash sociopath because of a car accident as a kid and with damage to his frontal lobes, he is unable to feel any kind of emotion or know right from wrong. Uh, Ryan Reynolds plays a character named Billy Pope who is a CIA agent who has uh, found and hidden away this uh, dangerous hacker who goes by the name of the Dutchman. Uh, the Dutchman has created... Uh, this virus called Wormhole, which uh, has taken over the U.S. military might, and he's willing to sell it to the highest bidder, but he says he'll give it to the U.S. if he gets sanctuary from uh, this terrorist who's trying to go after him. So uh, Ryan Reynolds hides him away with a bunch of money and a passport and a bag somewhere else, and in the first two minutes of the film, gets captured, tortured, and killed. So, bring in Tommy Lee Jones who plays Dr. Franks, who is working with this really cutting-edge technology to transfer memories from one person to another. So his job is to take the memories from Billy Pope and implant them into Jericho Stewart's head, because thankfully and just coincidentally enough, the frontal lobes are where memories are stored, according to this movie, um, and since his are damaged, he would be the perfect recipient. Uh, of course, this happens. He escapes, much to the chagrin of Gary Oldman, who plays Quaker Wells, the kind of head of the CIA in Europe. And <clears throat> Jericho Stewart now, he's got these memories implanted, sees the images of this bag of money, and thinks, hey, I can find this money, and it'll be an easy street. And so he escapes and goes off to find it. Well, the memories of Billy Pope keep on intruding on him, and all of a sudden he starts to feel human emotion for the very first time, and he's just touched by it. And so he seeks out Billy Pope's estranged it's widow. It's so beautiful. It just, yeah, it touches me in my no-no place. Um, Gal Gadot plays his, <laughs> plays his uh, estranged widow. Um, and, of course, the first thing he does is go there and tie her up with duct tape and interrogate her to find out where this money is. And she has no clue because she didn't know that Ryan Reynolds was a CIA agent. Uh, but all of a sudden, the memories attack, and, oh, I can't hurt you because he loved you, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then he starts to actually have emotions and feel feelings, and then halfway through, he finds out that in a day or two, all those memories are going to go away, 
And for some reason, they think that losing old memories is the same as being unable to make new memories, because Kevin Costner starts crying that he's going to forget the name of this lovely little girl that he met, and... Uh, it's awful. Um, you know... I haven't hated on a movie this much since, I'd say, Fantastic Four. Um, everything about it just makes me angry. Uh, it was written by Douglas Cook and David oh, Weisberg, really? who uh, I'm sure you know them from their marvelous exploits writing both The Rock and Double Jeopardy back in the 90s. In fact, Double Jeopardy was the last thing they've done, um, so you can see how well their careers have gone. Um, the, the story is insipid, it's dumb, it makes no sense. Uh, it's stuffed to the gills with so much stuff, but it's all fluff. Uh, that two-hour runtime bout, it's like an hour and 55 minutes, I swear to God it was longer than Titanic. It felt like we were there forever. It was never going to end. Um, no one's having fun here. Everyone is just... It's like everyone knows they're in a really, really bad movie, so they're doing their best just to get their job done and get the hell out of there. I mean, we it's got great actors. Kevin Costner does a good job. Gary Oldman is one of the best actors living. Um, he's horrible in this. He just stomps around trying to chew through scenery, but it's like he took his dentures out and he's like gumming things, and he's <laughs> he's phoning it in so badly. It's like uh, Ryan Reynolds is the only good thing in this, but he's in it for literally three minutes. He dies in the first three minutes of the movie, and you never see him again. Well, you see him in a reflection in a mirror because stupid reasons. Um, Gal Gadot exists in this movie solely to be damseled. She could be damseled anymore. If her name was Princess Peach, she's literally the she and her little daughter are the prize at the end of Kevin Costner's quest. I mm. it's horrible. And there's and there's one scene where she is kind of a badass, but then nothing happens. I mean, oh, this random stranger who came in and tied you up and threatened you and your daughter um, knows some secrets about you, so I'm gonna trust you now. It's just it's bad. And like I said before, the whole point where oh the. You know, I'm losing my memories. I'm going to forget who these people are. No, you're not. You just learned their names. You're not going to lose those memories. Um, the worst thing this movie does is it thinks it's clever. It thinks it's smarter than the audience, and it's really smug about it. And that's the one thing that just puts me over the edge to where, no, I'm sorry. Like you, you're not smarter than the audience. How dare you even think that? Um, there's nothing worthwhile seeing in this movie. I don't even think the guys from Mystery Science Theater could make it funny. Uh, I'd love to see him try. Um, <laughs> Basically, stay as far away from this one as possible. There's absolutely no redeeming value to see this. Um, the best part of it is the moment the credits roll and you can get your ass the hell out of the theater. Uh, zero out of ten. Wow, that's zero. A pretty good yeah, there's. I was I was kind of maybe thinking maybe a one for the Ryan Reynolds, but when he's only in the movie for two minutes, it doesn't work. It's just you know, and what pisses me off the most is we've seen Gal Gadot be a badass as Wonder Woman, and um, some people gave. Uh, some actresses crap for you know like uh, oh we've seen her better in this and she's been more of a badass in this that's true that's why it's called acting you have different roles you do different things um, but there's absolutely no excuse for I mean literally holding a gun to someone's head and saying come get me come get me if you want her it's it's bad that's just so disappointing I I mean I didn't expect this movie to be great but. You expect it to not be just like a steaming pile, so that's that's just terrible. Yeah, and apparently no one else. I'm looking at the, the box office weekend. No one else cared about it. Um, in fact, Deadpool, which has been in theaters now for what two months, um, mm -hmm. is making about half as much average revenue per theater as this is. 
Um, so good for Deadpool and F this movie. Wow. F it, right in the year. Well, I think <laughs> uh, based on uh, my movie-going experience yesterday, I think everyone is crowding in to go see The Jungle Book, and rightly so. Right, uh, I, I had to go to four different theaters before I could find tickets that weren't on the front row. I know, it's it's ridiculous, right? Like we, so I finally went and saw Batman v Superman yesterday. Took the boy, we had a good time. The theater wasn't full, but the parking lot was packed because everyone was going to see the Jungle Book, and and totally rightfully so. This film is absolutely amazing. Adam, as bad of a time as you had at Criminal, I had an amazing time at the Jungle Book. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad something good came out. I I had to work through the screening, so. I will be going to see it um, Tuesday in preparation for the Winter War, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> you, you really should see this film. I, so I'm going to throw out a huge caveat here. The 1967 animated Jungle Book is possibly my favorite Disney animated movie. I love that movie so much. I love the Sherman Brothers soundtrack. I love, I love Phil Harris as Baloo. I love the the rest of the voice actors. It's just great, and and it's kind of bittersweet because it was the last uh, animated film that Walt Disney personally worked on before he died. Um, so it's kind of the end of an era, and uh, I've always loved The Jungle Book. So when they announced, oh, we're going to do a live action remake, I'm like, oh god, yeah, you don't <laughs> need to do that. Like just just leave it alone. It's Fine, but the same you way know, we feel about Pete's Dragon right now. I love Pete's Dragon, but I also know that Pete's Dragon is not a great movie. <laughs> like, That's true. Yeah, Pete's Dragon is one that we we look back very fondly. Um, but <laughs> but I know that's not a great movie. But the Jungle Book is a great movie, and so I was like, why do we need to do a live action remake? Well, they put John Favreau in charge of it, and I said, okay, I'm gonna give. Johnny Favs a chance because the dude invented the Marvel Cinematic Universe by bringing us Iron Man and Iron Man 2 and um, I've always respected him as a filmmaker because he makes very interesting choices uh, he previously took the movie Zathora and he said we're going to make this movie and we're only going to use practical effects no digital effects, we're going to build sets, we're going to use matte paintings, everything's going to be real. And they did it 100% practical. Yeah, and John Favreau, like he's he's had a couple of like, slight misses, but he's never had a bad movie. I can't really sit back and be like, oh my god, like there's there's been a couple that could have been better, but never anything that's just, <clears throat> just unwatchable or bad. <coughs> Cowboys versus Aliens. Yeah, that was you're, you're exactly right. That was my that was actually my first movie I ever saw on Blu-ray in full high def, and I think we were so distracted by uh, how nice it looked that we we didn't pay attention to the plot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, uh, but that's a that's the perfect example. It's not a bad movie, but it maybe had it maybe had some problems. Anyway, so John Favreau is going to get put in charge of this, and this is the opposite of Zathora in so many ways. The only real person or thing in this entire movie is little Neil Sethi, 
who play who we've never seen before, totally unknown actor, and he plays Mowgli, and that's it. And everyone else is a digital character, and these digital animals are breathtaking. They look so real. They almost look hyper real. My four-year-old asked me five times, Mom, is this happening in real life? Is this a movie or is this real life? And she couldn't she couldn't understand. And I said, of course it's real. And she goes, those animals can talk? But animals don't. Like, it was so real. She really couldn't understand that it was a movie. Like, she couldn't get it. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's so beautiful and it's so immersive. And... Brooke, did you see this in 3D or did you see it in regular 2D? We saw it in 3D. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe how amazing the 3D is in this film as well. Go and see this in the best theater you can possibly find with 3D and treat your eyes. It's just absolutely fantastic. And I the, the only problem I have is if you... Go to a theater with the lesser 3D, or you sit like to the side rather than right in the middle of the theater. You're going to have a little bit less of a good time. Uh, just the the final climactic scene is a little bit dark, and the 3D process has a tendency to kind of wash out some of the color. Uh, it, it was maybe a little too dark at the very end there, but other than that, I have absolutely zero complaints about this film. I, I think. We also have to talk about how amazing the actors are in this film. You've got uh. Idris Idris Elba as Shere Khan. You've got Bill Murray as Baloo. You've got Ben Kingsley as Bagheera. You have Lupita Nyong'o as uh, Raksha, the the female head of the wolves and Mowgli's mother. Each and every one of those people deserves an Oscar nomination if the Oscars would pull their heads out of their butts and actually nominate people for doing digital voiceover work. These are amazing performances. Like, uh, Bill Murray hasn't done something this good in years. He's just <laughs> phenomenal. I'd like, as good as many any of his other film films that he delivers here where I'm just like, oh, oh, the feels. <laughs> and he's he's just amazing. I was absolutely blown away by how great these performances were and how beautifully they blended the, the voice work and the digital animation. Because, Brooke, your kid was right. This did feel real. It's It's absolutely phenomenal yeah it was so good and I so like I said we went to four different theaters or I looked for tickets and um, I don't usually do 3d movies because my eyes don't process them well and with the kids I wasn't sure like Prudence always takes her glasses off and then she gets like frustrated and so I tried to go to the theaters around me first and ended up at the IMAX 3D and I would never want to see this movie any other way. It was so well done. And it was really, really captivating. Prudence didn't take her glasses off the entire time. Like We watched the whole movie. It was just phenomenal. Um, I, of course, was crying within the first 15 minutes of the movie because 
of some mom scenes that I was like, oh, it's so sweet. But they did, like, they, they followed the storyline of the original animated movie while making it its totally own thing. It's like, when the American Idol judges would be like, you sounded like karaoke, and then they'd be like, oh, you sounded like you were actually making, like, gave this movie your, like, you stayed true to the song, but made it your own, and that's exactly what they did with this movie. They, they made it their own. They gave it so much life. I'm always skeptical, like, going in. I was like, oh, they're not going to have all the songs in there, and I'm not going to like it, because the original was so amazing. And they were great. They paid homage to, like, the Trust in Me song that I really love in the animated movie. Um, <laughs> right at the beginning, one of the animals jumps out, and Perdent screamed so loud that the entire theater jumped with her. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really good forts in it, but... Um, I wanted to make sure to take the kids, like, people told me that it was dark, and when I looked around, there was maybe one other kid the same age as Prue. Um, her brother is six, and so between her and him, I think they were, like, two of the four youngest kids in the theater, and they loved it. So in Zootopia, that movie actually scared Prudence more than the Jungle Book did. Like, really? Yeah, I think because... The violence in Zootopia, even though it's, like, all animated, you see people getting hurt in that movie. Like, the they, the bullies are really bullies in that one. And this one, um, the, the last action scene, there's definitely fighting, and, and there's a few things that happen throughout the movie that are very sad and tragic, but it wasn't as in-your-face as Zootopia. I don't know how to explain it, but the bad guys no, in that a- one... We're really mean. Yeah, just that's to a, be that, mean. That's a good way to put it. I felt like the violence or the scares in this were threatening, but no one ever actually like Mowgli never actually got hurt, and you knew that like Mowgli was going to be okay because this is the Jungle Book, not like Quentin Tarantino presents the Jungle Book, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like. <laughs> this isn't Joss Whedon. I'm gonna kill your favorite character. So uh, it, it was it was scary, but I think you had that like child safety net where like everything was gonna be okay. Yeah. But it was kind of dark and kind of menacing. I can see that though. How Zootopia yeah. would be maybe more scary. Yeah. So like in Zootopia, Prince was in my lap. Like, through a big portion of the movie, and in this one, she didn't. She sat in her own seat, and she really enjoyed it, and she knew that the animals were animals, and that Mowgli was a human, and she it was very processable. So, like, even though there were some big scares, um, that I jumped more than she did, I think. Through. Like, it, it really gets you. Like, it was good. Um, so very enjoyable for grown-ups and parents, um, especially if you loved the, the original, but if you hadn't, it was still really good, and the kids can like you're safe to take your kids. I don't know that I would take anyone younger than four. Maybe three would be the the limit on this one, but um, but it was so good. It was just yeah. beautiful. I say know your kids and know whether they're going to be able to process this. I mean, you, if you've seen the original 67 Jungle Book, just imagine that these are photorealistic animals with the voice of Idris Elba and is that going to freak the kid out <laughs> you know so uh, but talking about making this its own thing i thought that's what was 
the most spectacular piece of this. Uh, if if there's one thing you can say about the 67 version or of Kipling in general, uh, there's this criticism that they really kind of sanitized and maybe even glamorized uh, Britain imperialism and what went on in India. And so, like, Colonel Hathi's march, uh, the elephants, like, tromping through the jungle, singing a military march, like, we're basically glorifying British imperialism and the British taking over uh, India. This version, it really turns that on its head, and the elephants are given this, like, great spiritual, uh, moral overtone uh, and it felt much more like one of Kipling's fables, his just-so stories of like, here's how here's how the jungle was made, and um, it, it was really nice to see that. And it felt like we were trying to make up for some of that colonial imperial past and uh, make this a not a not a politically correct version, but a better version for 2016 and make it its own th thing so that the moral weight of the film was about Mowgli learning to treat other creatures well and about man's place in the universe and in nature and rather than man being a destructive force Mowgli trying to find a way to be in balance with nature and I know that's that's gonna totally go over every kid's head but that's where my head was at walking out of this film and I felt very relieved about that and I really liked it so even though I miss being able to hop two three four keep it up two three like I miss that but I also didn't because it became its own thing and I I'm just amazed at what they were able to put out there um, that that is both a a visual delight but really engaging uh, for for your heart and your mind uh, whether you're whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult I so just I'm I just absolutely in love with this movie yeah I've got a really really important question are the Beatles vultures in this one no. no I know right I was actually That's like my really favorite part. <laughs> What do you want to do now? No, don't oh, start that again. <laughs> <laughs> I say that all the time. And I, when the movie ends, you're not actually sad. Like, you realize later, you're like, oh, But it was really good. I, I felt the same way, though, Andy. Like, there were certain things in this one where they kept trying to, like, do it the wolf way, do it the wolf way. And, and at the end of this movie, Mowgli gets to be in harmony with the jungle while being himself and I think that that was a really important message and if what I'm about to say is too spoilery you can take this out but um, as I got older and watched the jungle book more especially with my child like the end of it it's really upsetting that we go through this whole storyline of um, we're friends, and you can rely on each other, and be honorable, and like, Baloo and Mowgli are like these, these best friends, right? And then he sees a girl, 
and he walks away and leaves. And that has always really bothered me. That <laughs> he's just like, I yep. want to be in the jungle until I see a pretty face, and then I'm like, peace out, for <laughs> you guys. I'm going away. And, um, I was really like, the last 20 minutes of the movie, I was really nervous. I was really nervous. I was like, I don't, uh, I don't want to see that happen. And the end of this one is just beautiful. They did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Brooke, that's not a spoiler. I don't think it counts as a spoiler for a movie that's over 40 years old. Like, I that, know, that just, it's not a spoiler. For people anymore. who are going into it and worried about that, they may or may not want, like, they might want to experience that end. That, that, it was just, they did a great job, and I'm really glad that they uh, stayed true to the message of the story. Yeah, they, well, this blazes its own path while really paying homage to what made the original uh, Jungle Book film and the original stories by Kipling what they were and why they were important. So I just, my hat's off to everyone involved in this. I, I'm just, the more I think about it, the more I'm in love with this movie. I'm at like a 9 out of 10. I just, uh, like I said, the only problem I have is I think it was maybe... Like film-wise, a little dark uh, with the with that, and I wish the technology was better. That's the only complaint I have. Otherwise, this is a perfect film. Yeah, and I'm I'm at a nine and a half. Okay, it was just great. Yep. Uh, that's that's really all there is to say about the Jungle Book. It's <laughs> absolutely fantastic, and so, everyone everyone should go see it. Yeah, there's a lesson to be learned. <clears throat> Don't go see Criminal. <laughs> Never see Criminal. Don't even red box it. Uh, but Jungle Book is definitely our recommend for the week. Uh, I haven't heard one bad thing about it. I mean, I think the like yeah, everyone I've I've seen, everyone I know who's who has seen it has given it either the same score you have or even higher. So uh, definitely the movie to go check out this week. I'm trying to figure out why I didn't give it a ten, and I might give it a ten. Uh, no Beatles Vultures. Oh, yeah, nine and a half. <laughs> that's why. So, all right, well, that's it for this week. Uh, the only thing on my docket for the week coming up is The Huntsman, Winter's War, because no one demanded it, and we needed a sequel to a movie that didn't need a sequel. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it has Emily Blunt in it, and we like her, uh, but uh, not really excited about this one. But I will see it for her. Yeah, I'll see it for Emily Blunt. I'll uh, see it for Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Charlie Theron came back, even though she died horribly in the first one. So, <clears throat> I yeah, it's it's fairy tale magic land. Um, but that's on all I've got next week. Andy, is there anything else they're showing in your area? Nope, that's it. Uh, we both of us missed. Uh, Everybody wants some, so uh, we're we'll have to try and pick that up and and see if we can uh, talk about that in the coming weeks oh, as well. And that's probably why I hate Criminal even more was because so. I went to my, the normal place we go for screenings up here, and I walk in, and the reps are over there, and they're just like, hey, Adam, how you doing? They wave me down, you know, check me off on the list. We go in there, and we're expecting to see everybody wants some. And then all of a sudden, like, why is Criminal up on the screen? Like, the little, like, things, and how to hashtag it and promote it and this and that. I was like, there's no one here. And I was like, where's my friend Brooks? He's like, he's holding me seats. And I get a text. He's like, where are you? The movie's about to start. I'm like, I'm here. Where are you? He's like, you went to the wrong theater, didn't you? Like, Damn it. Um... 
Yeah, so it happened to be that the same reps I always see were doing a completely different screening at a different, same time, different place, and... Uh, oh, that sucks. You know, sometimes you get those, those really, ha you know, those happy activists in life, like when you're doing your laundry and you find 20 bucks in a pocket, um, or you go to McDonald's and they give you an extra chicken McNugget. Um, this wasn't one of those times. So, yeah. The opposite. <laughs> yep. But, anyways, yeah, so uh, we'll definitely try to pick up on Everybody Wants Some, uh, which is the kind of spiritual successor to Dazed and Confused. And then we'll be back next week with Huntsman, The Winter's War. Uh, but until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass fly.